Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hey, friends, and welcome to the show. Listen, you are going to want to go get a cup of coffee. You're going to want to get in a comfy chair, go pull off to the side of the carpool line and just get comfortable because we're going to have a really heartfelt conversation today. I am so delighted to have my friends, Mo and Sherry Mays. I've known them for a long, long time, longer than we care to admit. Nobody's going to say how long it's been, right? We're going to keep that a secret. But Mo, after 30 plus years, more than 30 years as a firefighter and an EMT, the Lord called Mo into full-time ministry, where he served for 17 years as a minister in a local church. And he also serves as a chaplain with a local police department and crisis response teams. God called Mo to meet people where they are and to minister to those in the community who are hurting, sick, dealing with death or trauma, or basically any need of pastoral services. If you're in trouble, we all call Mo. Now, Mo carries endorsements by the Baptist General Convention of Texas and the International Conference of Police Chaplains, and he is the founder of Pastoral and Chaplain Services, PCS Ministries. He's been married to his wife, Sherry, for 44 years, such a wonderful testament of a godly marriage, and they have three children and five grandchildren. So, Mo and Sherry, welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show. Glad to be here. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here. So tell us your story. You have such a sweet story of meeting. How did you grow up and get married? Because you clearly got married, you know, when you were very, very young. Because you know (laughs) how old you are now. So tell us your story. Well, um, Mo and I met at church in the youth group when we were, I guess, freshmen. And uh, hung out together growing up uh, in the same youth group. He would come over to my house when we had the youth over and called my mom, mom. And um, we were just really good friends. Uh, Had our first job together at a school supply store when we were 15. And uh, But he had a girlfriend and I dated other guys. And uh, his mother passed away very unexpectedly when we were 16. And um, I remember it was just heart-wrenching for me to see him grieving so much but I I wanted to comfort him you know but I was just a friend and we were young so the only thing I needed to do really was just to pray for him and um no one really knew it but I kind of had a little crush on him and (laughs) when uh I guess we were both 18 um one night he he asked me out after church on a Sunday night to get ice cream January the 21st actually of 1979 it was Super Bowl Sunday, and we went and got ice cream, and um, kind of the rest was history. <laughs> uh, yeah. Three days later, he told me he loved me, and I realized God had been answering. He was answering my prayers for uh, a husband, and uh, three months later, we were engaged, and three months later after that, we were married. And th- let's tell the truth, Mo. You were smitten from day one. Like, of course. Yes, you have been <laughs> madly in love she with this She was way woman. out of my league. <laughs> Still is, right? <laughs> right. No, no, no. I'm married she, up. 
Well, during this time, you became a firefighter, and that was your job. So tell us about those early days and and what you did in your career as a firefighter and how really God shaped you as a first responder experiencing that. I'm sure you never saw coming that you would eventually be ministering to first responders. But tell us about the early days of those experiences. Well, uh, early on, uh, I grew up around a volunteer fire department in Pasadena and and became a volunteer after Sherry and I got married. And and I actually got hurt being a volunteer, which doesn't pay well. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so Zero. Uh, uh, my wife said if you wanted to, to uh, serve people in that capacity, you go get paid for it. So in 1981, I became, I went into the Houston Fire Academy and uh, I guess the rest is history as far as that goes, but uh, uh, served all over the uh, city in different ways and, uh, you know, delivering babies, putting out fires, just uh, being with people in their worst days. You know, it's just, uh, uh, it's it's hard to see that sometimes when families are going through crisis. So uh, I can see where the Lord used those years to to mold me into what he wanted me to be. And how was that, you know, as a young man facing life and death every single day, how did you cope with that and how did that shape your faith? Well, um, believe me, I, I prayed for, for protection a number of times because, uh, uh, when you go into some buildings and stuff, you, you don't know what's going to happen in there. You know, I was injured a couple of times, fortunately, not very seriously, but uh, uh, we're there to first off save lives and and protect people from being injured or or hurt any worse, and and then secondly property protection. So uh, um, it just uh, uh, molded me in a way that I just wanted to wanted to help people. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that in your heart, like always, just whatever it is, wanting to help people. And I think it obviously takes a special calling to help people on their worst day in right. that. And Sherry, during this time, you know, here you are having three babies mm-hmm. and trying to hold the house down and and dealing, you know, with that, you know, when Mo comes home mm-hmm. and he has seen these things that he's got to hold it all together. I'm sure right. that created some unique challenges for you. What was that like? Well, um, it was hard sometimes. I I would sense sometimes that uh, he was burdened, and he would he would he internalized it. Um, he would get real quiet, and I wouldn't know really what he had experienced on his shift. And and sometimes it would be a lot later that he would finally share some of it with me. Um, but I knew. Because you know how much it affected him, and and sometimes I would hear him say that they had joked about things that were really really tragic. But in his fire station, the uh, senior, you know, like the officers, that's that's how they coped back then, and they didn't have a way to, uh, I guess, unpack the trauma. They joked about it a lot. And so I know it was crass, but there were things that would really, really get to him. And I know it was deaths of children, um, you know, experiences like that, that were really hard. And and sometimes he would get to a point that he really couldn't talk about it, but he would just weep. Mm. 
and I would just hold him Mm -hmm. because that's all I knew to do. And, of course, pray. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of praying went on. I would always pray for him because not only was he dealing with, you know, life and death situations all the time, but his life was on the line, you know, firefighting. Mm -hmm. And at that time is when the AIDS epidemic started in the 80s. And, you know, they were... Fear. I've never yeah. been in those situations, but I've seen just some of the things on TV. And he would tell me, I mean, they when you're picking people up off the street or in houses in a very traumatic ways, um, blood spattered everywhere. I would pray for God to protect him from disease, needle sticks, things like that, uh, to keep him healthy. And, and he did. Yeah. The Lord did. And now looking back, you know, you've had so much experience with this. What advice would you give to spouses who are out there who are right now thinking, this is me, like my spouse is out there doing this, riding in the back of an ambulance, driving a police car, responding to things. You you mentioned the importance of prayer. Do you have any other things or would you emphasize that? What should they do? How can they best be a support? Well, I think the number one thing is to pray for them. Um, because God, he sees and knows it all. And, and really God is the protector. And, um, so I would just say to pray daily for them, you know, that God would just, uh, put a hedge of protection around them physically, emotionally, spiritually, and to be present in their lives, um, to be sensitive when they are home, to be sensitive to their moods. If they seem very quiet, they may have experienced something really traumatic. I mean, it happened all the time. And I know for the most part, I didn't hear probably 90 or 95% of it. It was the really, really traumatic things. Mm -hmm. Eventually, sometimes he would break down and share with me. Um, But I think just to be by their side, um, just be really present and be available. I think to be emotionally available to your spouse and to let them know it's safe Mm. you know that you're a safe place for them to let go of some of their burdens and their trauma well you know you said something really interesting thinking about this is in the 80s this is not when we were talking about the importance of mental health in first responders it was just basically suck it up this is your job like Mm -hmm. get tough and push it down and go on to the next yes exactly and my husband actually told me that not too long ago because he had learned to push things down he said you know now I'm getting to be over 50 if I push it down long enough maybe I'll just go be with the Lord before I have to deal with it that is not no no we're not we are not doing that but I think you know now that we know what we know it's so much better but Sherry you were really a forerunner of what we know now that it's not so much even about counseling or medication although those things can be important tools it's about having somebody just there Mm -hmm. caring about you understanding you know just walking through and bearing your burdens and that really makes a difference and we can see I know I'm confident that God provided you with the ability to support Mo that would set him up for ministry later on and that is so important and such a beautiful thing to have watched well during all of this time you know you're responding but you both, you had a, an emergency of your own with mm-hmm. a really scary experience mm-hmm. with your daughter. So what happened? Uh, we were in a, <clears throat> we were in a local pool uh, there that, uh, and all three of them were very small. And, and Matt, our oldest, was learning to swim. We were watching him. 
<clears throat> and uh, we had put put Melissa in a towel and dried her off and set her at the bench behind us. And uh, we were getting Mason out of his floaty because he was just a little little thing. And one. At one time, he was little. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you've got tall boys here. The people have got to know on the radio, like, well over six foot. So I can't imagine Mason that small. But I, I know it was there one I time. I was trying to teach her how to float and stuff on her back. And, and she had slipped back in behind us in the pool with people around and everything. Nobody even saw her. and Lifeguards. And, there was two lifeguards in the stands. And... It was the day before, the Sunday afternoon before the first day of school. Matthew was starting first grade. And, um, you know, there's kids splashing all around, and, and he had set her out because we were gathering them up. And all of a sudden I looked up, and I didn't see her on the bench. And I looked over at him and said, where's Melissa? And, and he said, I don't know. She was on the bench. And I started hollering, and, and I had Mason in my arms, and I looked down, and she was at the bottom of the pool. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I started screaming and saying, call 911. And the little lifeguards jumped down, and uh, I started moving in the pool towards her. That end was about, I don't know, three, three and a half feet deep. And um, anyway, I, I just remember handing my baby off to another lady in the pool and just crying out loud, baby, uh, Jesus, please, please save my baby. Well, I had I had scooped her up and laid her on the side of the pool, mm-hmm. and didn't get out of the pool. And um, uh, I remember even as a firefighter, I kind of lost it for a minute. Of course, and Daddy. because unfortunately, in in weeks previous, I'd lost drownings mm-hmm. at work, and those started coming back. And <laughs> when I saw her face, and but. Fortunately, the Lord woke me up, mm-hmm. and I started CPR on her, and water came up, and she started screaming, and it was the best sound I ever heard. Oh, I bet. And I can't imagine. What was that like, like going from being a first responder, responding to all of that, and then all of a sudden, it's your own daughter? Yes, it's, uh, it's a total different situation when it's family. Um, it absolutely you know, is. Really I, I have, I, you know, I, I feel that way as a nurse practitioner. But when my kids are sick or hurt, like I am just, <laughs> I lose all capacity yeah. for rational thought. But God saved her right. and he, he did. spared her he life. Spared and her she life. has a beautiful family. She's an incredible artist. Yes. She just paints and does all kinds of beautiful things. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue to explore Mo and Sherry's story of grief and loss, but finding hope and finding God to be faithful in the midst of that. So if that is you and you're experiencing this and you want to know how in the world you can find hope in these circumstances, don't go away. We'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's Network of Clinics saw over 58 thousand babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. 
Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to our conversation with Mo and Sherry Mays. Mo is the executive director and the founder of Pastoral and Chaplain Services. Now, if you missed the first segment, we talked about he how he and Sherry met and they got married and Mo became a firefighter and, you know, the struggles that were there in being a first responder, which I hadn't even thought about. Sherry, when you mentioned, you know, that was at the beginning of the AIDS crisis, there are just so many different fears you know but it always seems like there's something new now there's fentanyl on the street and we worry about those kinds of things and for first responders it's always an emerging threat but you share the experience of your daughter having a near-death experience of her own but god mercifully sparing her Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's for me sitting on the outside watching y'all's journey of faithfulness and seeing the intersection of this whole emergency first responder and meeting people on their worst days and god having you have that experience and allowing some of those painful things in your life but still seeing you say god is good it, it just almost defies all understanding. I think there's a lot of people who think, how can you still say that? Because then what happened, Sherry, is you lost your brother in a car accident. Yeah. And tell us about that experience and how that shaped your faith. Well, in, uh, on a Monday afternoon, 1999, it was June the 14th, I received a phone call from my sister-in-law up in Dallas saying that uh, my brother had been killed. And... Uh, I mean, it literally just took my breath away. And Mo was across town. Uh, two of our children were at church camp. They were up in East Texas. And uh, it's just those words to get something like that in a phone call, that information is just um, it's just a gut kick. I had to call Mo and tell him. And I remember I, I called him, and then I called the church office, and um, one of our pastors came over, Roger Patterson, and then they called a, a friend, um, Carl Ford, uh, who's now gone to be with Jesus. But she, uh, they asked her to come help me uh, just to get my thoughts together because we were going to have to get on a plane. But we, that was just a devastating thing. I was very close to Mitchell. He was my youngest brother, and he was killed in a horrific car accident on a beautiful sunny day. Um, and several others passed away. And uh, it changed our family we had to go tell my parents mo we drove over to tell them in person and that's just something that no one ever ever wants to go through and then you know we went up to the dallas fort worth arlington area where they lived and had to drive to camp and pick up our children and tell them face to face but it did change my life um the grief was overwhelming and um i 
I would cry at random times, and my kids would look at me and say, Mom, you're thinking about Uncle Mitch, aren't you? And I'd say, yes, I am. And uh, I guess it went on for about a year, and finally I, I just prayed and I asked the Lord, like, Lord, please help me to uh, deal with this better. I needed peace. And I knew Mitchell was saved. I mean, I knew he was with the Lord, but the grief was just so strong. And uh, so about a year later, uh, one night I had a dream. And it was from the Lord, and in my dream, Mitchell was there, and it was so vivid. The colors were colors I'd never seen, and it was just thousands and thousands of people, and their hands were lifted, and they were praising the Lord, and they were looking toward a light, you know, which I know must have been the Lord. But when I was entered, uh, Mitchell saw me, and he turned around, and he called me he was, by my name that he called me. It was, hey, sissy. Mm-hmm which was not was my nickname, and he ran towards me, and he grabbed me and hugged me. He was 6'4", and uh, then shortly thereafter, I woke up. But God, he gave me that dream to give me peace because I was able to deal with my grief so much better. There were nearly as many tears after that. He comforted me. The Lord comforted me with that dream, and I know it's because I had prayed and asked him to help me mm-hmm. with my grief journey. And uh, he left a wife and two beautiful little girls, and um, they're all grown and so accomplished now. One of them just graduated with her master's degree the other day. And we're so proud of her in counseling. Oh, wow. Yes, and the other one uh, is in the medical field, and they're both married, and we're so proud of them. And um, so, yeah, it is a very difficult journey, but um, the Lord has proven to be faithful. I think that's so beautiful. And we know that God uses dreams because he mm-hmm. did that all throughout the Bible. And mm-hmm. so to be, uh, to have that experience, I can't imagine how beautiful that must have been and the comfort that it brought to your heart. And, and Mo, here you are once again, finding yourself in a situation where you're really a first responder, mm-hmm. but in a family sense. And how did you, how did you cope with that and guide your family through that? Because you've got three young kids at home, you've got teenagers who are wondering like how can good you know bad things happen to good people how did you lead your family through that well as 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 sherry shared uh that was probably my very first uh death notification that i had to go tell her parents that their son went to be with the lord and uh of course was was something that i dread and didn't want to do and and uh was very hard but the but the lord gave me strength to do that um as sherry was talking you know uh, i used to have a hard time understanding what sex second corinthians 1 3 really was telling us Mm -hmm. but uh you know after losing my mother when i was 16 Mm -hmm. and and going through the traumas in the fire service and and uh the near drowning with melissa and then mitchell's uh, death. We, you know, Second Corinthians tells us, "Praise be to the Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those mm-hmm. in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God." That's a that's a verse that I, Sherry, and I have to live by. You know that uh, that. God takes us through these things, uh, but gives us the ability uh, 
and the strength to to comfort others um, uh, in their time of, of crisis. And we saw you really start to do that because it was around that time that you transitioned full time into church ministries. And let me tell you, I don't even know how many people you've baptized or (laughs) how many people you've led to the Lord, Sherry, how many meals that you have brought to somebody, how many times y'all have gone to the emergency room, gone to the hospital. I mean, really, it feels like the Lord prepared you both to minister together and to be there for your church family. And I know there will be so many people listening to this who will say, yeah, that was me. He led me to the Lord. You know, they came and they were there and they held my hand when this hard thing happened. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why that you are so well loved. And in doing that, you really are showing the love of Jesus. You're just being the hands and feet of Jesus and living out that verse that you just shared with us. And really, I think, you know, it seems like you had gotten in a comfortable place where you were in your ministry but god started to call you to something different yes early early in the 90s you know none of these things i ever dreamed really dreamed of or thought i was really worthy of uh but i i had the opportunity uh sherry and i to go into ministry at our church uh, teaching young marrieds that and me <laughs> me and my husband you did we uh, and man had, what a challenge was that you yeah. need some sort of i mean you know fiery italian meets quiet shy girl like we, we had some yeah issues, quiet but, shy yeah, girl yeah, yes that's right, yes exactly. yeah i remember yeah, that, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh yes we we had the opportunity to uh, teach in, in the young marrieds and it was nearly a newly is what we started with. Mm-hmm. And, and it, we just enjoyed that being able to pour into young couples and, and, uh, God gave us a position there to, to minister and, and it just led to more and more. Um, and, uh, where God finally moved me into full-time ministry about 2005 um, is when I went in. I started working part time uh, at the church, and and then uh, uh, as my role pr- grew there, mm-hmm. and the church licensed me as a minister, I started doing weddings and uh, all those things that you're able to do as a minister, and and uh, I just always took it as an honor to be able to be in that position. Uh, it was never an expectation of mine. It was just, uh, I'm just honored to be put or be asked to be in such a personal place uh, in a time of family's crisis in a funeral or a, or their happy time in a, a wedding. Way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it just... Uh, has been a, a true blessing in, in what God's called me to do. But then he moved your heart to do something different and call you to something you never saw coming. And you woke up. Didn't right, God speak right. to you God, in the night? I, the, the Spirit woke me up. And and that's a big thing because I don't wake up. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, oh, uh, she, she's yeah. a, well, I mean, I, I remember distinctly. It's yeah. February 23rd. It's almost, it's been almost three years ago. Yeah. Wow. Because he woke me up. 
<laughs> to tell Dressed. me he was leaving and it was about 4.30 in the morning <laughs> that he was going on a walk. And uh, I was like, okay. I rolled back over and went back to sleep. But I thought, wow, something's, it was highly unusual. Yeah. But I just uh, was urged to walk. And so I I started walking on our on our path or around the house and just praying and the Lord uh, speaking to me and and uh, he made it very clear that I w- he wanted me to meet people where they are mm-hmm. and uh, and that isn't always in the church mm-hmm. you know uh, so I knew that he was transitioning me, transitioning me outside the church you know I'd been a part of the Galveston County CISM team, uh, which uh, supports first responders, and we try to keep them healthy to keep them in their jo- in their jobs, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, but uh, you know, through my chaplaincy program and stuff like that, I was I was called to Santa Fe, and I was called out after the Astro World incident in Houston, and the tragedies in Galveston at Galveston Ball High School and, you know, different incidents like that. And, and I think God was preparing me for this ministry to meet people where they are. And how did that go from God preparing you, waking you up at 4.30 in the morning, scaring Sherry, yeah. I'm going on a walk and yeah. really early. And how did that come to be? Like, how did that become PCS Ministries? Well, it, uh, I actually have the second morning the same thing happened. Mm-hmm. This happened two mornings in a row. The first morning, um, I came back and Sherry was waiting on me, and, and uh, you know, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, was, I felt like the Lord told me to, that I needed to call three men. Um, so I called. To pray for him. To pray, to pray about what God was was laying on my heart, and uh, I called Eddie Simmons, Roger Patterson, and uh, Ron Stafford, which was our youth minister and a minister missionary to Columbia. Wow! And you know, all three of those are pastors. Mm-hmm. Y'all both know Ron, uh, Roger and mm-hmm. and Eddie, uh, great men of God, and and. Uh, and of course, their wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, all six of those uh, started praying for this. And uh, um, the next morning, I came home and I and I had the I wrote it on paper, uh, pastoral and chaplain services, and a heart and a cross is what I visualized. And I still have that paper that I wrote mm-hmm. on. And um, you know, I. Uh, it was the uh, the start of what what we've begun now, and uh, um, God just put that on my heart, and that I didn't know what the heart and the cross meant, mm-hmm. uh, but that that became uh, what my tagline is: where compassion meets grace. Mm. Uh, the heart and the cross came together. And, uh, and that's what uh, God has given me, the compassion for people. Well, and I want to read this off of your website. You say that pastoral and chaplain services seeks to provide soul care in a Christ-like manner to those who are hurting in their marriage, 
grieving a loss or those affected by traumatic situations. We strive to offer caregiving resources that meet the emotional and spiritual needs of those in our community seeking help. You're here to help those seeking family support services, marriage counseling and wedding officiants, grief support and funeral officiants. We are committed to providing care from a Christ-centered and biblically-based perspective. We recognize the Word of God as the ultimate source of truth and endorse and utilize only those psychological principles and techniques that are compatible with scripture. And I can see Mo sitting from the outside, how God had prepared you and Sherry's hearts to share, just to walk out exactly that scripture that you shared, to be with people on their worst day and offer them the best kind of hope. Sherry, I see you wrote something down. I wanna know what you were thinking. And when we come back, you hold that thought and we are going to explore that more. We'll talk more when we come back about pastoral and chaplain services, PCS ministries. And you may think that Mo and Sherry's story is remarkable, but their hardest day was still ahead. And they will share with you the recent loss of their son and how that has impacted their ministry. You are not going to want to miss hearing about Matthew and his life and his legacy. We'll be right back. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to our conversation with Mo and Sherry Mays, a truly amazing couple who has been such a powerful influence in my life. I cannot even tell you how much they have ministered to me and countless others. As I said before the break, I know there are people listening thinking, yep, Mo did our premarital counseling. Yep, they did our wedding. They baptized us. They were there when our babies were born. They, uh, Sherry hosted my shower because I think you've probably hosted like, I don't know, 14,736 showers about now. Yes, they have invested their lives into their children and not only their children, but anyone else's kids. I mean, really, and now your grandkids. And before the break, we were talking about God moving Mo from being a first responder to being a first responder for first responders, which is really incredible. And Sherry, you have a thought you want to share. Oh, I was just going to, um, when, when he mentioned the, the cross and the heart, it did become his logo for the ministry. And our daughter, Melissa, kind of took that and ran with it. And um, we tried to change up the name of the business because we were thinking, well, if, if this is what God gave you, maybe there's something that would sound better, you know, moving the, the words around, mm-hmm. um, chaplain and pastoral services. You know, we kind of tweaked it some. And then it was time to get the... Um, domain our our dear friend christine turner she she helped us with all that she's all tech savvy she said mo we really need to purchase a domain for your website and um so we gave her like three different options of names and within a day or two she came back and she said uh the only one that's available is pastoral chaplain services which was interesting because it was the exact thing that mo had written down on 
I guess February 23rd of 2021. Wow. No other option was available. <laughs> All the so God was saying this one, yeah. right. this one. I told you what it. it was, you know, listen to me. <laughs> it was such an affirmation uh, of God's call and you know, the fact that he literally had written that down wow. on a piece of copy paper that morning when he came back, when God had woken him up and told him to walk. And it was just like a big prayer walk, this conversation with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just, I was smiling when he was telling that. Well, during this time, you know, you had faced a lot of hard things. I mean, a lot of difficult things, but there was in the midst of all of that, really the unimaginable happened. Yeah. And you got the phone call that no parent ever, ever wants to get. Can you tell us about that experience? Well, I kind of want to start with what the Lord gave us. He gave us a family. You know, Matthew was the first, then Melissa and Mason. You know, we we always knew those were gifts from God and that he put them in our care here on earth, which he's their father. You know, I'm their earthly father, but we all, you know, I always remembered that. And I, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Sherry, uh, poured into all three of them so much through the years. I was gone so much during, during those times as a firefighter, a lot of hours, uh, but scheduled my business around on the side, uh, to, coach baseball and Cub Scouts and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, Sherry kept, uh, kept them in church when I, you know, a lot of times I couldn't go, you know, but, uh, just wanted to start with that, that our acknowledgement of the, of the gift that God gave us in a family. Yeah. Well, um, December the 17th of 2022, we received a phone call. Mo did about 5.57 in the morning, and uh, I just, I heard his phone ring, and then I heard him just start weeping and saying, no, 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 and it was, um, it was Keith calling Mo to tell him that Matthew had passed away in a boating accident. They had gone duck hunting that morning, and Keith was one of Matt's very best friends, and um, anyway, uh, it is a nightmare. It is the phone call that you pray you never get. And uh, so we got up to get ready, and we had to call our kids over. Yeah. And Mo called Eddie, and Eddie and his wife, Beverly, came over to pray with us before we left because we, we had to leave to, they said, go to a hospital. But that was a devastating day, and... Um, I don't know how we get through it except for the grace of God. Um, we were very close to we're very close to all of our children. We were very close to Matthew. He had never married. And uh, driving down that morning to um, Angleton, I guess, is the hospital where they sent us. I just remember saying over and over, I didn't understand why God didn't answer my prayer. You know, as I was weeping, and um, we were all just stunned and in shock. And that prayer had been, you know, Matthew, my first prayer for my children after we'd had them, we dedicated each one of them to the Lord when they were babies. The next prayer was, Lord, you know, we pray that they accept you as their Savior. We wanted to see them saved and 
baptized and living their life for the Lord. And then, of course, we prayed for their spouse, that they God would bring them a, a Christian spouse. And, and Matthew had not really found that person. He had had a couple of serious relationships. But that morning, all I could think of was, Lord, why didn't you ever bring him that Christian woman? But, um, but anyway, it was... Um, it's a day that is seared in our memories, and uh, it's just been a little over a year, and um, we have found that God is faithful, and that very night, Jessica, you sat on our couch and prayed with me. We had so many people in and out of our house, and you asked me, did I know that Matthew was seeing someone, and I said, no, not really, and he, you, you suggested I talk to Keith mm-hmm. uh, because she didn't know. And the next day I did, and come to find out Matthew had met someone very special, and he had actually told her the night before that he loved her. Mm. And um, he had told Keith all about her. And so we know that when God took Matthew, that uh, he had actually answered my prayers, and Matthew had found love and and a Christian girl, a Baptist girl. That's what he had wanted specifically. He had told Keith she checked every box, she and was Keith a duck said, hunter too. "Oh, I and mean, yes, on top of all that, she was a, she was a duck hunter." Oh my goodness! Which was just amazing. But she was still a lady, you know, very feminine and a school teacher. And he had talked to Keith, and Keith, he said, "Keith, I don't know. You know how important is that that you share something that you enjoy uh, with someone that you're going to marry?" And Keith said. Dude, it's really important. <laughs> he said, set the hook. <laughs> you know, a fisherman's term, set the hook. Don't let her get away. Well, um, anyway, she is a lovely person, and um, we, we grieve for Matthew every day. But we also know that he is with our Lord and Savior and that we will always be with him. One thing I want to share really quick, Matthew spent 20 years in the Air Force. Yes. He went in when he was 18, committed when he was 17, and when he was in basic training, the first letter he wrote home to us, he wrote in there that the only way he could get through this was uh, with his faith in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I have always treasured that letter. I knew Matthew was saved, but his his faith was real. And I know it's what sustained him through Operation Iraqi Freedom when he was in the war and throughout many difficult seasons in his life. Uh, his faith sustained him. And um, that's what I want people to know about our son. And... Uh, we know that we'll all be together in eternity. And Matthew's favorite verse was Second Timothy 4, 7. And I would just like to share that really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that was his favorite verse from the time he was about 10. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and we didn't know that he would end up being in the military, being a warrior. He had received medals. One thing that we didn't really know until after he passed away was that Matthew was truly a good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And we had different people from different walks of life that did not know one another come up to us after his funeral and in the weeks, months following it. They would just reach out to us. We wouldn't even know who they were and tell us stories about how Matthew had ministered to them 
when they were broken down on the side of the freeway, when they were in a dark place. We heard that over and over again. I was in a dark place. I was really down. And Matthew showed up, and he encouraged me. Um, and it was men and women, some of his friends, and some were strangers when he would stop and help people. It was so funny. He never met a stranger. They would usually find that they had a connection amongst friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, our kids even were told stories, Melissa and Mason. People would come up and say, your brother helped me. He stopped and, you know, got my truck running, helped me fix the tire, just different stories like that. And um, that's, a, that's a great testimony to have, to be a good Samaritan. Well, how do you do that, Sherry? Because, you know, you're right. Matthew was one of those courageous young men who, in the wake of 9-11, said, I am going to fight for my country. Mm -hmm. And he did. He was deployed. He experienced a lot of trauma there. He saw a lot of things that no young man should ever have to see. And you, I know, I know you both prayed for him to come home safely. Mm -hmm. And he did. And here you are saying, yes, I prayed him through the war. Mm -hmm. He came home and we prayed for him to find a girl he found a girl and then he went home to be with Jesus and how how do you not be bitter and say God why like why was he why did he survive through the war but then he dies in a boating accident you know just something totally random or you know you're grateful for him finding love instead of thinking this could have been how do you not be bitter when Matthew was in Iraq, um, one night, people would always ask me, how are you doing, Sherry, at church? I'm praying for Matthew. How are you doing? And I really had a strong exterior. And I said, oh, I'm doing good, you know. But really inside, I was uh, very scared. And one night when I was home by myself and I was at the fire station, I really had a, a come-to-Jesus meeting with the Lord. I just broke down and literally just cried out to God in our bedroom and said, God, why? Why is my son over there in this foreign land fighting for people that I don't know? I didn't understand it. You know, he was young, and we thought if he went in the Air Force, he wouldn't see battle and all that. None of that ended up being true. But the Lord, it was almost, it was in my spirit, but it almost seemed audible. It was like, Sherry, I have Matthew in my hands, whether he is in, Iraq or whether he would have been at home he he I knew he was keeping him and uh, he, he said I you know I'm going to protect him and and when it's time I'll take him home and when I I laid down on my I was sobbing I laid down on my bed and I opened my Bible and it opened up to Psalms I believe it's 144 and when I started reading it 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 was how he prepares the young man's hands for war. Mm. It's it's a beautiful but also a very uh, poignant chapter, and it is about war and battle, and God's the stronghold. And it was a surreal moment, like very real. God was speaking directly to me that I have Matthew in the palm of my hand, and he did. And I knew from that moment on that no matter what happened, it was God's timing and, and God's provision. And we had him for 39 and a half years. And I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful to the Lord. His name means gift of the Lord. That's what Matthew means. And he was so loving to Mo and I. Um, all of our children are. But um, 
because he was single and hadn't had children, which he really desired. He was always available for us, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and such a great uncle. Yes. Oh, my the gosh. Fun uncle. He loved his niece and nephews and was the fun uncle. You know, yes. he was always the fun of all the parties. But um, when you are faced with life and death situations, I don't know. The only thing I could do was trust God. And I still trust God in the hardest days. Because I know that that's where he's at. He's with the Lord. And I know that I will be with him and Jesus forever. You know, when when uh, the Lord took Matt home, uh, of course, as a dad, it doesn't matter how old they are. You still think, well, what could I have done to protect him? Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that. But... Uh, I kept crying out to the Lord. I said, "What well, you got to you say there's a purpose. You got to show me." What's 828 in Romans tells us and and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I just cried out to the Lord. I said, "You've got to show me the purpose for this. This is hard." And uh, he has been faithful. Well, we're all crying here. (laughs) I can't even say any words. Listen, if you want to know more about Mo and Sherry's ministries, go to pcsministries.org. That is pastoral and chaplain services, PCS Ministries. You can find out how you can access their services and how you can support them. How They're a 501c3. You can donate to the work that they are doing. And... I have no other words except to say that it doesn't make sense, but here is their testimony. They have said that God is faithful. God is faithful. There's no more to say than that. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.